Next time you tee it up, grab the Callaway golf ball that tour players like John Rahm and Xander Shoffley play, Chrome Soft. There's Chrome Soft with soft feel, great distance, and short game control, and Callaway's most popular tour ball, Chrome Soft X, with workability plus amazing greenside action. So you've got options. Now with the new Chrome Soft X LS, Callaway's low-spinning tour ball that delivers max distance off the tee, Chrome Soft isn't just better, it's better for everyone. Find your Chrome Soft at callawaygolf.ca. This episode touches on Canada's residential school system. The Indian Residential School Survivor Society Emergency Crisis Line is available 24-7 for those that may need counseling support. That's at 1-866-925-4419. Canada's dark legacy of residential schools has been forced back into the spotlight with the discovery of 215 unmarked graves at a former school site in Kamloops. It has renewed calls for reconciliation while reminding Canadians that thousands of Indigenous children who were taken from their homes never return. And it has once again sparked pressure on governments to do their part to find where children may be buried. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. National Post political reporter Ryan Tumulty joins me to discuss the push to search other sites across the country and the next steps in Canada's attempts at reconciliation. Don't forget you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Ryan, many Canadians were shocked, though sadly not surprised, at the grim news of a discovery on the site of a former residential school in BC with the remains of 215 children found in unmarked graves, bringing once again to the fore, the horrors of Canada's residential school system. But just to catch people up, how were these graves uncovered and why were people doing this searching? The origins of this go back in that residential school survivors and people who were around the schools and who have family who were around the schools had heard stories of graves on residential school properties, not just this one in Kamloops, but on other residential schools all across the country, mm-hmm. but they'd never been found before. This was the stuff of storytelling. Certainly, we know that uh, students died at these schools and that not all of them were documented. We knew somehow no one was really surprised that these graves existed on the Kamloops site. I think maybe the scale of it obviously shocks people, but you know, this was about a process of finding the real truth here and digging into it and finding what we all suspected to be true was horrifically true. What do we know about this school in Kamloops in particular? How long did it operate for? And what are the estimates of how many kids went through the school? The school operated, started operating in the late 1800s, around 1890. It continued to operate until 1969 and then operated more as a dormitory after that. But as a residential school, it operated from the late 1800s all the way to 1969. Its peak enrollment was about 500 students, and that was in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. So over the course of its history, thousands of students attended that school. And it was one of the larger ones in Canada, but there are certainly many other schools of the same size. When we talk about these 215 kids, these are not the only kids who are believed to have died at this school, correct? Like, Are there other recorded deaths tied to this Kamloops site? 
So there are other recorded deaths tied to schools across the country. Mm-hmm. One of the things that has been done uh, since the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, and it was part of the work that the TRC did itself, was to try to document deaths at these schools. The latest estimate is that 4,100 students died at a residential school in Canada over the course of their operation. But that number is definitely thought to be an undercount because that number is basically based off of of records, of death certificates, of admission records. And the record keeping in all of these schools was not good. And that sort of speaks to these unmarked graves that, that you know some of these may, in fact, connect to people that we know died. Mm-hmm. But many of them are probably going to be people we did not have records of. Yeah. And that is why, you know, a lot of people are now calling for this sort of ground penetrating radar or similar search techniques to be used at all residential schools, because it wasn't in the best interest of the authorities that were running the school to document how many people they were killing. And when we're talking about these deaths. I know there's stories of abuse. There's stories of disease. There's stories of freezing to death. There's even fatal fires. Do we have a, a kind of a, an idea of the scope of deaths and what was the leading killer of these kids, the conditions in the school playing a part? Do we know how this all breaks down? One of the things that the CRC found was that cause of death, even in the cases that were documented, often wasn't documented. Even things as basic as the name of the child or the gender of the child was often not recorded on death certificates in the cases where there even was death certificates. So this, you know, this comes back to what I was saying about the record keeping being spotty. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we know that the schools had issues of physical and sexual abuse and violence. We know that malnutrition was a major issue and disease outbreaks were a major issue. There was not well-run facilities. They left these children open to a lot of neglect and malnutrition, and then the abuse and violence came on top of that. And as I mentioned off the top, this discovery opened a lot of not-so-old wounds about the damning legacy of these schools, the last of which didn't even close until the late 90s. And there's been a lot of hurt and a lot of anger, but there's also calls for new action to be taken. What is it that we're hearing First Nations leaders, First Nations communities wanting to see happen in the wake of this discovery? Well, two things. One, a lot of First Nations leaders are saying now is the time to do proper searches of all of these schools, you know, using this ground penetrating radar technology, using other techniques, not just relying on documentation and records that, as we've discussed, are spotty at best. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that's obviously really coming to the fore right now. The other thing that is coming to the fore is, you know, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission reported its recommendations six years ago in 2015. At the time, then-liberal leader, it was before the fall election, but then-liberal leader Justin Trudeau immediately committed his future government to implementing all of those recommendations. And their record on that has not been perfect by any means. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of dispute about how many of them are done, but even the government doesn't suggest that any more than about 20 of them can be considered complete. So there's a lot of work that has to be done. And most of the Indigenous leaders are saying now is the time to complete the rest of those recommendations. For Justin Trudeau's part, as you say, you know, he committed to the possibility, should he form government back in 2015, that his government would implement these calls to action. What has he said his government is willing to do now 
both in relation to the discovery of the graves at the school and also to the recommendations of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission? The Prime Minister has said that he is open to helping fund the searches from the federal government's perspective, funding the searches at other residential schools to trying to get more details and more truth out of this situation. He hasn't said anything different about his commitment to implement the 94 calls to action in the Truth and Reconciliation Report. Mm -hmm. But I think those recommendations are going to get a renewed focus now. You know, these graves bring this case into really stark relief. And so, you know, I think he's going to see more pressure to do that. The government committed in 2019 just over $30 million that was mostly about creating a register of deaths in residential schools, something that could be consulted. It, it can now be consulted online. You can read the names of the children who died at these schools that have been identified. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of that funding did not get spent. The government committed this morning to making sure that more groups can apply to use that funding for other projects to get at that. The one thing that the prime minister did say, he didn't come out Monday with a commitment of X number of dollars for each search or anything like that, because he said that, you know, this isn't something that Ottawa can do on its own. It has to work with Indigenous communities to do the search in an appropriate way, to consult with those communities, and to come together with something that isn't top-down, that isn't led from Ottawa. That definitely is part of it, ensuring that this is being led by the communities who've been impacted by this, even if the funding or the implementation of these calls to action is driven in part by the feds. One of the things I found interesting was that, you know, either all of or part of the funding for the search at the Kamloops site was funded by the BC government. The feds have said that they're going to fund searches at other sites. Alberta has said it will fund similar searches. Are we seeing any other provinces step up? seeing as these schools were in existence across the country? Yeah, uh, the Ontario government has said that it will help fund searches at the schools in its province. I think there's going to be a push now for governments to do this work right across the country. And I don't actually think that this necessarily has to be a very expensive endeavor, Mm -hmm. which is part of why I I suspect governments are not blanching at the idea of funding them, because the searches are are not going to be enormously expensive. When the Truth and Reconciliation Commission was doing its work under the Harper government, there was a proposal to spend one and a half million dollars to do more in-depth searches. That proposal was ultimately rejected, but this isn't going to be a costly endeavor. And so I think the focus is on this now, and I don't think any government can turn away from it. Certainly the Canadian public is, even in the middle of, you know, a worldwide pandemic, paying enormous attention to this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't think any government is going to be able to walk away from funding these searches now. Do we get a sense, has any government said why, as you just said, not very costly, a fairly simple endeavor was not undertaken in the six years since the TRC report? Why we didn't even just do this step to identify or try to identify or try to get a sense of the scope of the death toll of these schools? No one has said specifically why, of course, they didn't fund most. uh, The federal government has said that they did offer money and that it just hasn't worked through and they haven't worked out all the details. You know, I think political attention and focus is going to be the key driver here. Now, we heard the TRC's report. Many Canadians read it and, you know, engaged with it. Uh, But then it kind of drifted into the background. 
This is a dark part of Canada's history. There's no doubt about it. Canadians, like people all over the world, don't like uh, confronting the dark parts of their history. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a new focus on it now. The news of the Kamloops discovery was uh, announced last Friday. And on that day, a bill to create a new statutory holiday, a new Truth and Reconciliation Day, which had been sitting in the House for a while, was passed by unanimous consent with all parties agreeing to fast track it through the House of Commons. So that bill that had been sitting there for a while spontaneously, very quickly moved through the Senate. A second bill that proposes inserting new language about Indigenous treaties into Canada's citizenship oath, which also had been sitting for a while in the House of Commons, also received unanimous consent from all parties to quickly move it through the House. So these issues are getting more political attention. The public is going to pay more attention to them. So I think you will start to see some swift progress here. When you're looking at searching these properties to get even just a sense of humanization for these kids who are potentially buried on these sites, how many sites are we talking about? And do we know how long some of this work could take? I don't think we do, to be honest with you. I don't know what the resources are of the the ground branded trading radar industry. But the search in Kamloops did not take an enormous amount of time. These ground penetrating radar searches can be done over the matter of a couple of days. But there's, I think, about 150 former residential schools in Canada, mm-hmm. and they're all over the country. Yeah. So I think you know that work is going to take time. And I think there are probably sites that will get more attention based on exactly the same reason that people wanted to search Kamloops, right? Yeah. The stories that emerged from all of these sites, from survivors, from family of survivors who can say... You know, their classmates stopped coming to class. You know, families who can say that their children never came home from the residential schools and that they do not know where they're buried. I think we're now getting a sense that if that was the case, there's a good chance that they were buried somewhere on the site. And the search is only the first step in a, in a long process, right? Obviously, you would search the site, discover the possibility of unmarked or, or mass graves and then have to go through the process of potentially exhuming, determining identity, determining cause of death, even in some of these cases. This is not going to be a short process by any stretch of the imagination. No, it's not. I mean, one of the things that the TRC recommended when it came to these searches is working with the families to sort of determine the next steps. And the communities, the indigenous communities where these children were taken from, need to be involved in the decisions about the next steps. Because Communities may decide different things. Some communities may want these students exhumed and returned to their home communities for reburial. Some may want monuments and a recognition at the site of the former residential school. Some may not want to disturb these graves. Mm. And those are all obviously highly personal choices that these communities are going to have to make. Now, beyond this, as you mentioned earlier, there's still a lot of work to do in Canada when it comes to relations with our First Nations and implementing all of the calls to action in the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's report. Has the government given any indication of what its next steps will be beyond these searches at these sites? It hasn't. I know that, you know, they've said that they are committed to working with communities on the searches and figuring out a way forward. But beyond that, they are just going to continue working on the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's calls to actions. Now, when the prime minister committed to implementing all of them, he was a third party leader. Mm -hmm. 
Stephen Harper's government at the time said that they didn't see themselves implementing many of them. They only committed to implementing a handful of them. And at the time, you know, the, the calls to action were in a preliminary report with a final report that came down after the election. The NDP leader at the time, Thomas Mulcair, you know, he said that while he was committed to working on as many of them, he said not all of them will be able to be done quickly and not all of them will be able to be done potentially at all. The calls to action were very sweeping and they touch on some issues that not everyone is going to be okay with making those changes. You know, some of them obviously are very straightforward searching, you know, doing the searches and locating the former burial sites. But some of the calls to actions are about broader changes to social policy and to government's relationship with indigenous people. You know, the federal liberals have, since they've come to power, they've put a lot of money into some of the calls to action around indigenous education, healthcare, and social services. They've committed a lot to changing the way the indigenous child welfare systems work. But these are big changes. And I, I think it will take some time to even come close to implementing all of them. Mm-hmm. And many of them are not even within the government's purview. You know, one of the calls to action was a call for the Pope to apologize for the Catholic Church's role in residential schools, which so far the Catholic Church, despite a request directly from the Prime Minister to the Pope, has gone unheeded. The Catholic Church has said that they're not going to do that. So, you know, not all these can be done by the federal government, but certainly some of the ones that are, are big changes that will require extensive debate. Well, as you said earlier, it's a dark part of Canada's history. And I know it's a sad incident that's kind of making people across the country take note. Ryan, thanks for your time. No problem. 10-3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Ryan Tumulty. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.